Now, ladies and gentlemen, for your further listening pleasure... Direct from the golf course and onto your radio, this is... Hello, everybody. The Fred and Jeff Show. And hello, Tucson. This is the Fred and Jeff Show. This is Fred Ronstadt. I'm here with my little brother, Jeffrey. Hola, Tucson. And we are celebrating the people, the places, events, history, and culture that, that make living in Tucson and Southern Arizona so gosh darn wonderful. That is exactly right, Fred. And we invite you to visit us at fredandjeff.com, podcast us uh, on iTunes, or your favorite podcasting platform. Stitcher. Loving that Stitcher. Really? Oh, man. I just there's so much content on on these. I mean, it, it is amazing what people have been able to put together with uh, with podcasts. I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> well, look at look at us. Yeah, idiots. the two of us knuckleheads. What we get to get up to, sure. Yeah. So is uh, this like our six hundredth show or something crazy like that? We can say that. Nobody's counting. The no, only, I mean, the no, only, but I'm, I'm I mean, the only people who listen are mom and dad, and I don't think they can count that high. Oh, sorry, mom. That was Fred that said that. <laughs> All right, so uh, here we are in the beautiful uh, KXCI uh, Hotel Congress studio. Yeah, Historic Look, Hotel Congress, downtown Tucson. Looking out onto the sidewalk of... Beautiful, uh, beautiful Tucson. It is it is a whopping 42 degrees, a little brisk this morning in the Sonoran Desert. And, uh, it's warmer than 42 no, degrees. No, no, I'm looking at my uh, Google. I'm Googling the uh, the temperature right now. Google don't know nothing. Google, how dare you? <laughs> So, uh, yeah, we're sitting here in, in Tucson, and this is the the fun season. Well, I mean, it's always fun in Tucson, but it's there's a lot of activity right now. Um, actually, it's, we're sort of kind of on the tail end of our event season, if you if you will. We just had the rodeo. We had the Conquistador. The Colo Guard Classic. The yeah, Colo the golf Classic, tournament. The golf tournament. Um, we're heading into the Fourth Avenue Street Fair. Yes. In a couple of weeks. Yes. Uh, this weekend, uh, we have Ford's on 4th. Ford's on 4th on 4th Avenue. Yeah, that's a big one. Uh, every single foursome in the go- – every single golf course in Tucson is full because, I mean, it's just beautiful out here right now. Yeah. No, it, I mean – The gem show just uh, – Gem show just finished. Just finished. I mean, gosh, so many reasons to be in Tucson, the least of which is the fact that all of the flowers are starting to bloom. The Sonoran Desert – is, ladies and gentlemen, if you've not been to northern Sonoran Desert in your lifetime, now's the time to come because the flora and the fauna are absolutely, <laughs> it's true, it's stunning. I walked out this morning which, which heading fauna, down here. Which fauna are you referring to? Oh, I can't talk about her. There's a, uh, you know. A moratorium? Yes. So I walked out this morning and I saw yellow blooms, red blooms, pink blooms, purple blooms. I mean, it. It was. It's absolutely gorgeous here. So yeah, Picacho is going to be gorgeous. Uh, you know, that's the the huge fields of flowers. Oh yeah. I mean, anywhere you go, we had we've had so much rain. It's been mild. It's absolutely been a wonderful season, and our wildflowers are going to demonstrate how nice it is to live in Tucson. The only downside, what? I'm on Zyrtec again. The allergies, <laughs> and I can hear a little bit of it in your voice. No, I'm just my my throat's a, a little sore. Been talking too much. Ah, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, so my bees are actually very happy. Yeah? Yeah, and actually, uh, I'll be bringing a new package of bees to your house. Oh, very fun. Make sure, bring the honey before you bring the bees. No, the bees, bees are coming first. <laughs> oh, jeez. 
So they, they, hopefully you're, you're not lying about all the flora. Oh, because dude, it's <laughs> unbelievable. It's beautiful. Very beautiful, nice. beautiful. So uh, we, did we talk about the Tucson Festival of Books yet? That's what we're talking about today. We were looking for the, seg- the segue there. Well, that was a, you know, it was a, 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 that was a segue. <laughs> Should we try again? No, no. Tucson Festival of Books, one of the best, another great reason to come to That's the just Old like Broadway. top three book festivals in the world, I think. In the world, yeah. And they raise a boatload of money for charities here in Tucson. Literacy starting with Literacy Project. Yep. So it's a, it's a great thing. It's a great event to come to, multiple days, tons and tons and tons and tons of authors, amazing authors, and we are lucky, lucky, lucky today to be on the phone with Asia Gabel, no, Gable, like Clark Gable, Asia like the Steely Dan song, Gable like Clark Gable, Asia, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? Awesome. We are awesome. You're. We're talking to you from uh, L.A. You live and work in L.A., and you were kind enough to yeah. uh, get on the phone with us today and talk about a myriad of things, least of which is your new book, The Ensemble, which we'll get to in a minute. But uh, we oh, just we do want to thank you because uh, you're probably only you're the only art, the only author that we can actually get to come on the show. That's not true. <laughs> That's absolutely not true, Fred. No, we appreciate it. We had Brad Thor lined up, but, you know, when you came available, Asia, we said, you know, Brad Thor, forget him. We're going to talk to you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm honored, regardless. Well, thank you. We're honored to have you on. So give us a little bit of your history. You're not actually from, originally from L.A. Where are you originally from? Uh, No, I'm from Northern California, which is like a different a different state than Southern California. Yeah, I think a lot of people I think agree. that it should be split down the middle just because of how different it is. Yeah. And, and so you're, you're... Yeah, I didn't come... Yeah. So you're from Northern California, and you from went... Northern California. You went all over the place. You went to school back east. You've done all kinds of great things in your life. And But you're... At, at, your, at your core, you're a musician, right? Yeah, I mean, I grew up, uh, I started to play violin when I was five, and I switched to the cello when I was 10, and then I kind of didn't stop playing the cello for decades. Um, and I studied pretty pretty seriously to do that. Um, I thought that that was what I was going to do. So Now, what, 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 what happened in your life that you fell in love with the cello? What is it about um, people that play the cello that, that it, I mean, it's an amazing <laughs> sound, but how did you find it? Well, um, I was a type A child, even as a 10-year-old, and I thought that it would be cool if I could play the biggest instrument possible. So I switched from the violin to the cello, and then I switched from the cello to the bass, actually, for a year, or the upright bass. Um, but I thought it was really boring because you didn't have as many notes as the cello. <laughs> so I, I went back to the cello. Um so did you focus and on on the classical stuff, or did you play around? I I when I played the bass, I did did uh, you know some rock and roll stuff, but um, mostly it was just classical music with the cello. Um, that was kind of what I became obsessed with. Um, so yeah, I mean, I did that's all I, I that and writing stories in my notebook was all I did as a kid. It was no all kidding. I did. And I never really planned on writing a novel about music, so it was, you know, 
that wasn't my life. Like that wasn't my grand scheme. <laughs> well, how did you fall into um, it? I mean, how did it how did it take root in your soul that you've written such a beautiful work? Oh, um, well, I always wanted to be a writer as well, and so when it but I wrote short stories, which is like you know not as intense as a novel, of course. But then I went to school for writing. And the goal is always to write a novel, and I was really scared of writing a novel. Why? And I thought well, that you, I, you know, hold on a second, Asia. I've heard yeah. we've heard many many amazing authors say that they were always scared of writing <laughs> a novel. I mean, what what is it that scared you about it? I mean, was is it the idea of failing? Is it the idea of looking at a blank page? Yeah, I mean, what scared you? Truly, to me, it was the idea of trying to come up with something that was interesting enough for 300 pages. I couldn't imagine, you know, conceiving of something that I could sustain for that long and that I could sustain it that well. The problem with, with writing, I think, training writing in school is that you're taught to do really short things. You're taught to do short essays. You're taught to do short stories. You're not really taught to sustain something for a really long time. Um, and so I was, I always thought like, well, I can't, I can't do that. I don't know enough about anything to write for, you know, a hundred thousand words. Like there's no way I know enough about something until one day I realized, oh, I, I kind of know a lot about classical music. Like that's a thing I know about that maybe most people don't know about. So well, that's you've had, how it happened. And you've had all of these relationships, I'm sure, as you've learned your craft in playing the cello. So is that kind of where you took your inspiration for the four characters in your book? Oh, totally. I, I uh, grew up playing class, uh, playing uh, chamber music. So meaning, you know, quartets. And oh yeah. We love chamber music. Small ensembles. What were you going to say? Oh, I just was saying, I love chamber music. It's one of my favorite things to listen oh, to. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, I think more people should get into chamber music. I think a lot of people think classical music is orchestra, but like the really cool part of of classical music is these small ensembles, and you can like, you know, be in small rooms and listen to the music actually get made on a a much smaller level. Um, But personally, it was it was a source of friendship. Um, I'm I'm still friends with those people that I was playing music with when I was, you know, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. A lot of them have married each other, actually, and um, so it's just been this, like, formative experience, like, playing music when you're at that age with people where you're already forming those crazy bonds Mm -hmm. is, I think, a kind of intense thing. Um, So that was definitely, like, how, how I thought of, like, well, what would happen if these friends ended up having a career together? Like, what kind of stress would that put on their relationship? And it's kind of like pretending it's the Beatles, but it's classical music. Exactly. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Exactly. I feel like there's a lot of rock narrative sort of about that, and I feel like classical music ensembles that play professionally have an a you know fairly dramatic life as well, and I thought it would be a cool thing to explore. Well, I think you it, know it is. Yeah. yeah artists, artists in general. I mean, everyone has their own vision, and with when you're talking about an ensemble, especially. A successful ensemble, you really need to have a very tight relationship emotionally, um, intellectually. Everyone needs to be on the same page as far as what the vision is 
for for the group and for every piece of music. Uh, and and that's, yeah, I that mean, really even, creates conflict. Yeah, yeah. Even, like, physically, like, especially in classical music, but probably in other kinds of popular music, too. Like, you have to know how someone's going to move, what kind of mood they're in based on, like, how they, you know, breathe during the music. You kind of have to anticipate people's emotions, movements, um, and it's it's kind of this like weird intimate relationship with someone that you're not necessarily intimately bound with, you know, like you're not married to them. Um, no, but you but can you're have like financially bound. Yeah, but Asia, you can have an intimate relationship with somebody and not be married to them. I mean, whether it's a a very yeah. close friend or a coworker or even your neighbor. I think the key, and a lot of people miss this in intimate relationships, I think, is that when you're thoughtful and you're thoughtful about what a person might think, you have that empathy about what they're thinking or how they're feeling. When you use that empathy, that superpower, then, you know, to coin a phrase, you you make beautiful music because it's all about trying to anticipate what someone's thinking or feeling and Isn't that what the classics, I mean, isn't that what the the superstars in classical music do? Totally. You nailed it. I mean, to be able to play music at that level, you have to be not only making your own music, but, like, you have to thoughtfully be listening. You have to be empathetic. You have to be, um, you know, vulnerable to everything else that's happening in the group as well. And that, um, you're right, forms these intimate bonds that we do sometimes you know when we're, we have close friendships or you know you know work colleagues whatever we're, however we're doing that and I thought that that over a life would be a really really interesting thing to look at and that's kind of why I started the novel it says the first line is it's a love story mm-hmm. because I wanted to look at that yeah outside of traditional romantic love it's awesome all right so tell us a little bit don't give any good stuff away but Tell our listeners a little bit about your novel. Um, we we understand how you how it how it germinated. Now tell our listeners about yeah. maybe a little bit about the four main characters. Sure, sure. So it's a it's a string quartet, and it's um, it's about a string quartet, and it takes it uh, is told from all four of the main characters. Jana is the first violinist, and she's a bit bossy and headstrong. Brit is the second violinist, and she's a little bit quieter um, and, uh, you know, alone in this world. And then uh, Daniel is the cellist, and he's sort of not as good as everybody else uh, technically, but he and he's a little bit older, so he has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder about all of that. And he is um, romantically involved with Brit, the second violinist. And then there's Henry, the violist, who is very young and a prodigy and better than all of them. And they're all a little jealous of him, but he's also like a kind of a golden boy. He's very nice and things come easy to him. And he's a hard guy to hate, even though he's kind of an easy guy to hate. So um, I sort of took these (laughs) stereotypes of, you know, players that we have in the orchestra world and kind of explored them in these characters. And so, yeah, it covers, you know, it starts when they're, early 20s and it goes until they're about 50 um so it kind of covers the bulk of their uh how they became professional musicians and and going through all of those things that happen in the you know first part of your life 
So when you were <clears throat> when you were crafting these characters, looking back, how many musicians in your history do you think are represented in these four people? Um, oh, I appreciate you asking it that way because um, you don't want to you don't want to make asked. any of your friends mad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, sorry. Um, so I think, I mean, there's got to be probably 15 people I've worked with who are wow. in here. I think everybody that I have worked with, though, who reads this, thinks that they are one of the characters, <laughs> which is fine, I guess. But yeah. they're not. They're composites. Um, and ultimately, when you start writing a character, they may be based on someone. In fact, they usually are for me because it's helpful to have a real-life person. But they always evolve into their own crazy people with making specific decisions. They all they always do. So it's it it doesn't matter how closely you think you're reflected in this. Tell my tell that to my mom too, because she thinks that every character, every mother character is her. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, to me, that has got to be the most difficult part about what you've done is creating these four distinct people and and having a narrative through the four of them that is is believable. You know, I mean, I, I, that to me, unless you're schizophrenic and you do it all, all yeah. the time, that to me is really, really, really difficult. Um, though I'm sure someone like you with a PhD in creative writing, it's, it, it's not that big of a deal. Oh, I mean, it was still really hard every time i would show a draft of this book to someone they would be like well I, i'm having trouble telling some of these characters apart and so i would have to go back in there and then redraft it and make them really really different because on the one hand they are a unit right they're like they've got to be a people working together but i had to make them separately so distinctly different whether that was in their mannerisms um you know like henry has this really floppy hair and he's tall and lanky so i had to sort of write that on a note card, put it on the wall. And every time I talked about Henry physically, I had to say, like, okay, this is how he moves in the world. He moves differently from the other male character, Daniel. So it was a lot of that. It was, like, very hard to sort of, you know, they're distinct in my mind, but translating that for people who haven't, who've been living with these characters for years is a really hard task, especially when you're trying to get them to all work together right. also. You right, know? right. It, uh, yeah. Amazing, 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 amazing piece of work you've done. Congratulations! We're we're really pleased that you're getting so much, so many accolades on this novel. So, well, uh, thank you so much. Absolutely. What's what's next? What's in the shoot now? Who's on deck? <laughs> I'm doing a lot of different things. Um, I'm trying to adapt this for the for your television screen. I am. Uh oh, is this going to be a? a is this going to? Is this going to be a new Netflix project? Netflix is buying everything I mean, up. Do you know anybody at Netflix who wants to buy this? So <laughs> I'm open to it. Uh, no, I don't. But I'm. But I mean, okay, I don't see well, why they would want this. It's amazing. I agree. I agree. Um, so we're, we're, you know, I'm working on it. We'll see. And then I'm also um, almost done with a second, a second novel that's very different from this. So no classical music in it whatsoever. <laughs> really? Is it uh, is it baseball yeah. baseball book? No, it's kind of like uh, kind of science fictiony. We'll 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 see. 
Good for you. It's so weird putting that label on it, but yeah. So do you know uh, off the top of your head, because we can't use the internet, it's broken, but when when are oh. you... When are you presenting at the at the Tucson Festival of Books? Oh, um, I think that I'm presenting twice. Um, and they are right here. They are um, Saturday um, at 1 p.m. and Sunday at 11.30 a.m., so twice. Um, yeah. And, and what are your topics? The first one on Saturday is Ambitious Undertakings. Um, so I think it's about, uh, you know, how to how to chart, uh, how we charted this, this these novels. And then the second panel is on Sunday, and that's called Musical Prodigies. And so, obviously, it's about, <laughs> you know, musicians and writing about music. Oh, that's awesome. I, that, good for you. Good so, for you. So the Tucson Festival of Books is uh, coming up in a couple of weeks, Saturday, March 14th, and Sunday, March 15th. Um, if They're probably sold out, but there's the Author's Dinner uh, down on University of Arizona campus on uh, Friday the, the 13th. Mm -hmm. um, but this is this event attracts tens of thousands of people uh, to the University of Arizona campus. It is by far one of the most successful events supporting literacy and reading programs in our community. In the world. Fred. In the world. In the world. In the world. Yeah. And, and Angel, we're so pleased that you were able to spend a little bit of time with us. We wish you continued success. Uh, enjoy your time here in the Old Pueblo. Um, and anything you want to leave our listeners with? Any good thoughts? Um, I mean, you're, you're a lucky, lucky town to have a festival like this. It's, it's truly, uh, as you said, global. It's, its perspective is global. So um, I'm excited to be part of that. Awesome. And the name of your first novel is The Ensemble. It's now out from Riverhead Books, and I guarantee you you can buy it just about anywhere that you find good books. But we, we recommend you buy it at your local bookstore. Yes, please support your local bookstores. It's easy to go on the other guys that, that own everything, but if you've got a great local bookstore, go down and buy it from them because I'm sure they'll appreciate the business. All right, Asia, yeah. take care, and uh, we look forward to seeing you in Tucson. All right, thank you. Yep, and ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up another Fred and Jeff show. Go out there and meet your neighbors because they're the ones that make your neighborhood a great place to be. And, Fred, you got anything? Um, floss your teeth. Oh, could be one. All right, thanks, take care, and we'll see you next time here on the Fred and Jeff show.